Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause, with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. Saf came relatively late to entrepreneurship after working in both the public and private sectors. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur that's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare to work and skills provider. In these podcasts, he shares his thoughts with journalist Adrian Kibler. So let's join the conversation. Hello and welcome once again to Canny Conversations with a Cause, conversations that we hope you will captivate your curiosity cannily and uh, and i'm glad i've got that out Seth. how are you good thank you very good um let, let's just update anybody who listened listen to the last episode Seth is here so we did manage to get some fuel uh it was touch and go and and unfortunately the garage the garage was down the hill rather than up a hill but but he managed to get some fuel and he managed to to get home and, and and he's here with us today. And thank you so much for driving driving behind me and just making sure that I got to the petrol uh, station. We, we, in time, we, so. On the way to the garage, we drove behind Saf so that if he broke down, we could go past and and wave. This episode is going to talk about the importance of building a business on solid foundations, and we're also going to touch on the value that partnerships can bring to any business so to begin with Seth what are the ingredients that make for a solid foundation within any business I've got a quote here from you which you've used many times and that is if you don't have customers uh, then you don't have a business so I guess customers are part of it but but talk me through what solid foundations look like with that quotation uh, referred mainly to when I was talking about branding and, and uh, those new sort of entrepreneurs and they focus a lot on marketing and brand, particularly brand and branding and, and getting the name out there. And what you find is that the business owner or the, the entrepreneur is so focused on the branding element of it rather than customer acquisition that they forget the fact that for us to have a business to survive, we've got to go and get customers and be able to service those customers and obviously look at making a return, a profit from that. But they're overly obsessed on the branding element of it and getting the brand out there. And this is why I was I use that line, and I've used it a few times, is that you know you don't have a business if you don't have any customers. You should focus on customer acquisition. Go and get your first customers. Focus on first three customers as an example. Who are they? What are they? What are they doing? And why you should be their supplier or you know why they should buy from you and that puts it into context because sometimes we overcomplicate things and we start talking about you know funnels and this that and other and marketing and positioning and you know strategic alliances uh, you know all of these sort of things came in I think for me these come afterwards you've got to have your first couple of customers and you've got to go out and get and identify service those make sure that your your product or service works it meets the need uh, how does that compare with others and then from there you're in a position then to start looking at the growth plans and, and you can start then looking at positioning and so forth but it really is from my perspective what the basics are is getting your first customers to who are prepared to buy from you and and uh, who are prepared to pay 
not the people that you're sort of trying to bring on us uh, uh, to sell for you. You know, I'm not talking about supply chains. I'm not talking about that. But who are your first customers that were actually going to pay pay you a dime, pay you some money, pay you some, you know, pay you for your services? So it, uh, you've identified the, the the importance of customers, which you know, I, it's very I, basic, but it's, it, no, no, very it's, very basic. It's very but, basic, but yeah. m- most of the. The, the good things are what, what you know what, what are very basic aren't they in terms of developing a product or service so in order to have customers I mean to what extent I mean the, the old-fashioned view you you know is, is you develop your product and your service and then you go out and you try to find customers to what extent do you think that the customers or the potential customers or the people that you want to be customers need to be involved in the development of the product or service because we still see it, don't we? A lot of, you know, in the technical and the innovation field, you know, people who are brilliant technicians and brilliant inventors, you know, they invent something which which is superb and fiendishly clever, but nobody wants it or there's no need for it. So uh, it taught me through this process of developing the service that or the product that the customer needs because people buy solutions to problems, don't they? Yeah, and then there's another thing as well, just to add to that. I mean, everybody feels that they need to have a USB, a unique selling point, or a differentiator. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, you don't need to have a unique selling point. What you can do is the the, the product or service that you've got, just, just be better at it. It doesn't have to be unique. You don't have to be inventive all the time. And there's many businesses that, that are going into markets where there's a market there already. As an example, fostering. You know, we went into the into, into the foster care business. That's not innovation. We're not, you know, creating something which is new. There's a market there already. We as a business have gone into that. There's nothing wrong with it. There's a we know where the demographics are. We can get all the information in terms of where the local authorities are looking at what the plans are. We can get the data behind it. We can then make judgments based on that. We can then do a business plan. We can then look at how we're going to market slightly differently from others or how we're going to differentiate our brand but the product and the service predominantly is the same you know with this regulation involved there's certain things that are must-haves and you know you're in a position where you can plan that and you can do that so it's not always about you know sitting there and thinking of new ideas inventions and often that Predominantly on, you know, on TV, you know, Dragons Den. I'm referring to, or the, or Shark Tank, or so forth. These sort of programs where people come up with inventions, and you've got you've got the inventor who is obsessed with the product itself. They're obsessed with getting perfection, and you know, they're obsessed with getting the best possible product, but not necessarily thinking, is this what the market needs? You know, what problem am I solving? And you know why the customer should buy, and you know is this something that you know people are prepared to pay for it? So you, you know you're you're making that sort of element where you know you're obsessing over the wrong thing. You know you're you're making a lot of assumptions, you're making a lot of generalization, and you think you know it all. And and what you find is that that is high risk. That's not only high risk for that individual, but high risk for anybody that gets involved. And there's many businesses out there where you know you've got data, you've got products that are out there already. You can try and launch in the in in that marketplace, 
and then and you don't have to go in there and make big big assumptions that you're going to have one percent of the market or any of these slightly silly sort of uh, broad broad assumptions but it's having a plan that works in line with you know your your efforts really rather than this is how big the market is and i want to dominate so it's a long sort of answer it's a, it's a long and, and a complex question i mean so many times in in my life i've been dealing and, and and i say this particularly with technological companies who basically come up with something and they explain it to you and you realize that what you've actually got is a solution looking for a problem and i like that actually. they do know yeah. but, but 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 you do you you know they they've developed something which is fiendishly clever but 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 they've the got to find a, 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 yeah. a, a use for it. I mean, we've talked. We're talking about foundations for businesses here, and we've been spending a little bit of time talking about the importance of customer acquisition. And before we move on from customer acquisition, the the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about as uh, as part and parcel of that is customer retention, because you know there's a marketing cliche, and 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 whether it's exactly true or not, I'm not sure, but that it costs eight times as much to win a new customer as it does to retain a, an existing one. So presumably, Seth, it, it's not just about customer acquisition, but it's about customer retention. I had a business coach uh, sort of six, seven years ago now that used to say there's only three things you can do. Uh, you can get your customer to buy from you, you can get them to buy more, or you can get them to buy more often. So buy, buy more, buy more often. Only th- three three things. And and we use we used to have a window of opportunity. And is your customer aware of all your products? And if they're not, what products are they buying currently? And are they aware of all your products? So we had this element of customer A and all our products or services. So customer A is buying product A, but they're not buying product B, C or D, but are they aware of B, C and D? And if they're not aware of BC and D, then you know we need to make them aware of BC and D. So it's not just about retention, but it's also the maximization of it. So you know, yeah, get the get your customer to buy first. Hopefully, you service the customer. You know, you're looking after their needs. Then you get them to buy more often, or you get them to buy more. So frequency of it, or your other services. So this is a whole sort of customer pull that that we can look at. But you're absolutely right. You know, the, the life breed of of every business. And it's important to remind ourselves that it's about fulfilling their needs. Don't treat anybody with the assumption, the fact that they're there forever. You know, and I think, you know, we can't make those assumptions. We've got to be in a position where, the, you know, we keep a grip of the, the service that we're offering. You know, we don't want to be in a position where we're uh, resting on our laurels and we're in a position where we're continuously improving. And sometimes it's those small improvements regularly. And a bugbear that I have is that, uh, the certain markets and the insurance market being one i mean i'm as you know is from the financial services sector so the insurance market is being one where the renewal income come a renewal policy comes in and what they do is they treat the existing customer slightly uh worse than potentially a new customer so they you know they focus on customer acquisition they focus on getting the customer in and the, the price of the for the new customer is lowered and the renewal prices are increased to subsidize the new the new customer and if you look at you know what the existing and the existing customers as long as they feel that they're looked after will be customers for life and the, the lifetime value of that customer is lost because there will be some customers where the prices have been increased you know if they even go back to the same company and they're offering lower prices 
you're alienating those customers uh, and alienating that customer. So this customer service element of it, absolutely vital. And you, you find that rather than adding more value, and it's not always about the price, if they can add additional value, try and get their customers to buy more, you know, what you'll find is that customers will become hopefully raving fans, this thing that we we've have talked about before. But they'll also become big sort of supporters and this is where I think the real value is it's not in terms of the initial sale but it's about keeping that customer and being in a position where you can you know get more from them and hopefully get them to utilize word of mouth and, and get you more business I mean you do raise an interesting point about insurance and I know that you know financial services is a sector that you've worked in previously Just to remind our listener that we're talking, listener, listeners, plural, is that we're talking um, at the fag end of 2021. And and there is actually legislation that comes in in the early part of 2022 that uh, will stop this business of um, treating new customers better than existing customers. And I think that's highly welcome. Um, Let's just talk about the business of some of the other components of, you know, the solid foundations of a business. Um, You tell me if you agree with this, Saf. Somebody once said to me that you can think of a business as a a three-cornered stall. And three legs in the shape of a triangle is is allegedly the most stable configuration. And I was told that the the three key components of any business are the the product and service, which is what we've just talked about, um, the marketing and sales, and the managing of of the money. Is that an oversimplification, do you think? And the, the, the one thing that's obviously missing from that, I would have thought of the people, but uh, I mean, I know you're very much into the value of people. So just talk about some of the other foundations of, the, of a business. Just just on picking on, on, on those points, because I think it's worth having a quick conversation on them. You know, you, you, I think you mentioned second point was about marketing and uh, telling the customer about it. And I think this, you know, we, we, we have discussed this before about the, the marketing angle of it. I think, um, you know, there, there's two parts there. There's visibility and credibility. And, you know, whether you're talking on a personal level or you're talking on a business level, you've got to be visible. You've got to go out and market. And marketing is different to sales, but you've got to go out there and market your services. But the product, it needs to be credible as well. And this credibility is absolutely vital in terms of uh, the value that it gives the specification that he has, the product specification or the service specification, the value that you have, the capability and the results that come off that, that come out of it. And I think from my perspective, you know, if you look at, you know, you know, we live in a review economy, you offer a bad service or a bad product, that word of mouth goes very, very quickly. And what you find is that you you're not gonna get very far if your reviews of your core product Art or service aren't there, so that may be uh, the customer service element of it. That may be the actual core product or service, and I think that is, you know, often now a key ingredient in most businesses in terms of what the customers think. Are you actually adding value, and what the perception of that product is? It's not necessarily about price. It's not about other other factors that come into it. It's really about what the customer feels in terms of this value this word value you know is it valued is it fit for purpose is this what they expected and when things aren't to expectation that's where disappointment comes in and then this is where the bad reviews come in so is it 
what they expected is it does it say what is on the tin or whatever was promised and it's that false promise that really then kills uh, the reputation of that business so this reputation of that business then depends really on those key ingredients but that's that's again you know basic sort of stuff of generalization but what you find is that even these sort of things you know we we get carried away on on a particular focus and we think you know what if we can create the best product out there you know the customers will roll up it doesn't happen you know or we think the fact that we can uh, lower the, uh, the the product specification and the customers won't complain you know all of these things are big assumptions that are that are made and it's often getting that balance right and you know you don't have to have the best product out there but what you do need is make sure the fact that the customers expectations are met and whatever that is whatever your brand promises whatever your value that you've said you meet to that value you've identified it you've identified the customer that you're going to meet and you're going to you're aiming for and you and, and you do that and, and and again this is it's easy stuff but it's hard sometimes to balance all that out and get that right and often we we are pulled this push and pull factors we are pulled because sometimes we can't get the right level of staff uh the staff competencies aren't there the, you know their their capabilities and their the, you know we we find the fact that the skills and the knowledge, there's knowledge gaps so there's gaps and you know when the, when these gaps happen then what you find is that then there's gaps in service then there's gaps in terms of the expectation and it's really you know you know how much of that tolerance is there and and what level of tolerance is the customer willing to accept because you've got to reach a certain level of tolerance for somebody to even complain i'm not talking about the people out there who you know complain for a living and there are some people who who do do that but we've got to have to a certain le- a certain level of tolerance and when we past that level of tolerance is when we start you know writing our emails or going or going onto the views and really that whatever that tolerance is yeah you used a word um the word you used was integrity which is a good word. I'm going to use another word, which is because I'm a simple man. I'm going to use the word trust, and I think trust is key in any in any relationship and in any business relationship. And you know, I'm sure you and and our listeners can have many examples of where they've stopped using a supplier because they no longer trust them. I mean, in my particular case, no names, no pack drill, but. For more than a decade, I I used to go to a garage who used to look after my cars and suddenly everything started to become quite expensive and you'd take the car in and they'd say, oh, you need a new fuse, sir. And then you'd get a call a day later saying, actually, it's not a fuse. You need a new fuse box and we can get get a fuse box aftermarket. And then you get a call saying, we can't do that. And I don't know whether, whether I was being ripped off or not, but I do know that I reached a point where I started to lose... Trust. And I think the other thing about, you know, a business is all businesses, things go wrong in all businesses. And it's not the fact that things that go wrong that's the problem. It's the fact that it's how that problem is is dealt with. I mean, I, I purchased something recently, which uh, a piece of equipment that, that broke down. Um, and I was, I was annoyed that it broke down, but actually I was very, very pleased with the way that the business dealt with it in terms of they responded to my complaint quickly, they replaced the piece of kit. And I actually feel like I could recommend them. So in terms of building and, and, and retaining trust, it, it takes a time to earn trust, doesn't it, Staff? But when, when that trust goes, it, it, it's almost impossible to restore, or is it, do you think? 
yeah, I think just just on a couple of those things. I mean, you know, the example that you gave about the garage and so forth. You 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 have businesses where you know, talk about customer being king or customer being one. In those particular cases, the customer is lost in the process. So, you know, talk about putting customers first and customer being number one and your objective is there to serve. Clearly that hasn't isn't happening. So, you know, are they putting the customer first? If they were, then they would be acting in the best interest of the customer. I come from a background, again, you know, financial services, which I you know don't want to keep going on about banks and financial services, but there's been many occasions where they've not acted in the best interest of the customer. So this is where the mis-selling has happened, the mis-selling scandals. You know, I was involved in the pensions review mis-selling, the with profit endowment policies that were sold, the mortgage mis-selling, and many, many policies where they were mis-sold where they weren't acting in the best interest of the customer and customers weren't put first. The bank targets were put first. The culture was created where... It wasn't about customer first. It wasn't about putting the customer at the top of what the business is about. And whenever you think about customer service and customer satisfaction, everybody now thinks about Amazon because they are obsessed about the customer. And I think Amazon is probably one of the the forerunners into this in terms of their obsession with getting it right for the customer uh, service, servicing, looking at the improvements, the one-click element that comes in, and you know how that business, unlike possibly a lot of other businesses, you know now I think we're we're all following sort of the Amazon model in our own way, but that obsession is there, and uh, and I think that's the way it is now at the moment where you know customer service, customer experience, is a business in itself, the whole customer experience officer roles you know I've, I've not seen that 20 years ago there was no customer experience officer there were complaints people who were dealing with complaints but it wasn't about customer experience or customer satisfaction or you know, the implementation of it and ensuring that was there you know if you if you're working in a customer service department really that was a complaints department that was about putting things right i fully agree with you if you can deal with somebody's problem and you can deal with that adequately, and you can deal with that with little fuss, then what you find is that individual who has got an issue with your product or service actually becomes very supportive. Not only have you retained a customer, but you've got somebody who will then, through word of mouth, actually potentially give you more customers. And you know that's a big thing for businesses. If they can get somebody who has complained, where you've passed that threshold, and you can satisfy that need, and you can satisfy it in a way where it's resolvable, then not only is the customer retained, but you're likely to get more business out of that because they will, more, no, no doubt, they will tell others. I mean, you made a very good point. And we were talking about solid foundations for a business. And I, oh, yeah, I, think I we're thought we're when losing, we started... We're losing track, aren't we? I slightly. thought when we started this, this conversation, so we'd cover up a, a series of things, but we've we focused on the customer and maybe that's the right thing to do you know the customer should be left right and center of a business and maybe that is the key foundation uh, before we finish i just want to ask you one thing though it was once said to me that sometimes actually it's a good thing to to sack a bad customer and i think what bat referred to is sometimes and we've all perhaps been in that situation you you'll get somebody you've, you 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 referred to the you know the the, the serial complainer earlier on sometimes you can get a bad customer you know somebody who's, who's always having a moan who's got unrealistic expectations who's 
a bit tardy when it comes to to paying the bills and all the rest of it. So, uh, have you ever sacked a customer? I think we've gone through that a few times, and and, I've, and it's happened to me as well. To be to be frank with you, where uh, we used to use an accounting service, and they turned around and said, "Well, we've been acquired by somebody else. We've had to reflect on on, the, on our customers, and unfortunately, we're we're having to say goodbye to you." And you get quite upset about that. You're thinking, you know, well, why why are they saying no to me? Uh, why do we have to go somewhere else? But that has happened. And what you find is that it doesn't meet either their profitability or the level of service they that they we used to get from them. They no longer want to offer that. So I think first, if, if a business can categorize their customers in terms of the you know the customer lifetime value, and really be in a position where you can look at your customers and look at you know the added value that you can give, and a lot of this is about the value that you feel that you can give, because you may get to a point where. A business has grown naturally, and you're now you know, getting inbound inquiries, and you're taking business on, and it's grown into a into a slightly different way. And you may not have either the expertise, the time to actually service your customers. So naturally, if you can categorize, you know, what sort of customers, what's your ideal customer, what does that look like, you know, what sort of customers you enjoy offering, where you can feel that, you know, you this is above and beyond, it's a remarkable, praiseworthy service. And, you know, it's getting to that level where it can be praiseworthy because sometimes not all of your service can, you know, is remarkable or praiseworthy, then, you know, you can categorize customers into A, B, C, D category. And maybe you could say, well, actually, you know, we let go of D because firstly, they're not bringing the revenue for us. The, you know, we're not getting profit that comes out of this. And secondly, really, it's affecting us by offering a higher level of service to these customers, which is what we want to focus on because that's where our specialism is or that's where our niche is or that's what we want to be known for or, you know, these customers get us more value and we've got more chance of actually servicing those. Uh, There will be, uh, in no doubt, in any business, some customers that, you know, you could afford at times to, uh, to lose and it's not a bad thing, but it's a conscious thing as opposed to the customer walking away you know, you can decide which customers you want to attract and which customers isn't for you. And I think the best businesses that I've seen are the ones where they decide on their customers. It's a two-way thing. It's not It's not a case of somebody just wants to buy a service from you and you can say, well, actually, we're here and, and where are your beck and call? It needs to be a two-way thing for you to understand that you can service that customer to a high level uh, that will not only fulfill the customer's expectation, but only, f- f- but but fits in with what your what your business plans and goals are. I'm sure that's right. Uh, we value our customers enormously, and our customers are our listeners. And um, we hope that we add value, don't we? <laughs> I, I'm sure <laughs> of that. There was a hesitation there. No, I, I, no, I know. No, no, uh, no, I, I hope that we had uh, add value. Um, somebody once said to me. Um, you know, value complaints because most people don't complain; they just walk. Uh, and and move, not not complaints, but we value uh, feedback from people. Um, if if our listeners feel inclined to uh, like uh, and share, then uh, then that then that's great. Or review even. <laughs> give, eh? give us a review. Uh, and give us a review. Yeah, yeah. Let, let us know what what, what they think. think. Yeah. Um, we're going to curtail this canny conversation with a course um, but we will be back soon take care bye bye 
Thanks for listening to this Canny Conversation with a Cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safraz Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safraz at pathwaygroup.co.uk. This is a 1386 audio production.